0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Don't Burst My Bubble with me, your host, Josh Ascroft. Before I kick things off with today's episode, really pleased to announce that for the second week in a row, the NBA has announced that there have been zero positive coronavirus uh, tests in the bubble out of the 344 players who have been tested. Uh, That has been the case from July 20th through July 29th, and it was also the case from July 13th to the 20th. So it seems like the bubble is working, which is fantastic news. Now, I haven't been delivering on my promise of daily episodes due to the fact that I took a mini-vacation to the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, but now I'm back, no excuses, daily episodes coming your way, so to get you back up to speed, what I'm going to do today is in 30 minutes or less, we're going to break down every single team that is in the NBA bubble from top to bottom every single storyline that you need to know in this compact bite-sized form so that when tip off happens tomorrow you will be caught up on everything that you need to know so without further ado this is done about my bubble okay Let's kick things off. Eastern Conference is up first. Six teams have clinched playoff spots already. We have the Sixers at number 6. Their record is 39 and 26. Then 5 Pacers, 39 and 26 also. Fourth spot is the Heat, 41 and 24. Third spot is the Celtics, 43 and 21. Second uh, second seed is the Raptors, 46 and 18, and the number 1 seed in the East is the Bucks who are 53 and 12. There are three other teams in Orlando from the Eastern Conference. That is the Wizards at the ninth spot right now, twenty-four and forty. The eight seed right now is the Magic thirty and thirty-five. The seventh seed is the Nets, thirty and thirty-four. First up, the Wizards. You do not care about them unless you live in DC. This is Almost without doubt the most irrelevant team that is in the bubble right now. They have no Bradley Beal. They have no John Wall. They have no Davis Batans. They have no scoring. They have no defense. And they have absolutely zero hope of doing anything worth watching. The only things I can say that is positive about the Wizards is that it might be interesting to see how Rui Hashimura has developed in this time off. He's the uh, rookie that the Wizards picked up in the draft last year uh also same goes for mo wagner could be interesting he's been a great guy for them in very limited minutes so he'll get more playing time could be interesting very unlikely they make any kind of push for the eight seed they're essentially irrelevant i don't fully understand why they are in the bubble at all moving on to the magic honestly the east only needed six teams to be in this bubble they they didn't need anybody else so we're gonna we're gonna roll with it quickly though Bucks versus Magic could be one of the worst first-round playoff series we've seen in a fat minute. I don't know what could be interesting about that series. It would just be Giannis averaging 30 points a game in 20 minutes. Uh, players to watch for the Magic are Aaron Gordon. Obviously, high-flying dunker. Other than that, hasn't really achieved anything in his NBA career. Uh, as he said in his diss track that he dropped on... Dwayne Wade, he's only, I believe, he's had like seven years in the league just wetting his feet, so who knows, maybe Aaron Gordon is about to get uh, his more than just feet wet, maybe he'll go up to his shins this time, who knows. Nikola Vucevic, very interesting, great center, uh, definitely a future center for the NBA, he's kind of the model that you're going to see more and more players, more centers being, has the ability to stretch the floor, really good all-round player, I like Vucevic a lot, Evan Fournier, obviously spot-up three-point shooter. Great guy uh, for that. He's one of the best shooters uh, in the league. I mean, fun to watch. Who knows? Maybe he'll have a hot game. And then Markel Fultz, who's obviously interesting, just being uh, the the prospect that he was, not really living up to that. Finding a new home in Orlando. Uh, somewhat living up more to the hype now, or at least we're seeing some, some sparkle there, so maybe we'll get to see more of him. I guess it's nice that the Magic are... In the bubble, just for the sake that they're from Orlando. So, hey, you know, give some Orlando people something to root for. Moving on to the net. Oh, my jeez we're really stretching it here, NBA. So, no Katie, no Kyrie, no Spencer Dinwiddie. So, again, no top three scorers from your team. Uh, interesting position to be in for sure. Uh, however, this does mean that we're going to see more of Karis LaVert and uh, Jarrett Allen. Uh, so, that could be cool. Um, Both guys who have got huge upside, great potential. Obviously, we saw Karis LeVert uh, have that crazy game against the Celtics where he dropped like 50 points. Um, Maybe, who knows, maybe we'll get to see more of that. He probably, and along with Jarrett Allen, I would imagine have made uh, big improvements during this time off. Uh, So that could be fun to watch. Now, let's move on to teams you actually care about in the Eastern Conference. The Sixers, arguably the most interesting team in the bubble right now. So Ben Simmons played the entire regular season for the Sixers at the point guard position, but will now be playing in the power forward spot. This pushes Al uh, Al Horford to the bench, something the Sixers were really uh, hesitant to do during the regular season just because they're paying him so much money. If you're paying a guy a contract that huge, a lot of the time you're not really going to be wanting him to come off the bench, but this makes a lot of sense for the Sixers. Putting Ben Simmons at the power forward position means you can bring in Shake Milton at the point guard position, who played really well for the Sixers all season coming off the bench, not to mention the fact that he's played really well in the scrimmages that we've seen so far. He's a really good three-point shooter, can definitely punish teams who aren't going to follow him over screens, which is something the Sixers were missing all season. With Simmons, Horford, and Embiid on the floor, that team really had very little spacing. Shake Milton, on the other hand, you put him into that starting lineup... Way more three-point shooting for the team. Uh, not to mention the fact that now Ben Simmons spoke to a sports psychologist during the break that we had uh, and to sort of work through some of the issues that he's had around the three-point shot. So obviously it became the running gag and meme of the NBA that Ben Simmons will not shoot a three. His form is broken, all of these things. Uh, in in preseason, we got a little taste of what we thought. Uh might be a new willingness to be able to shoot the three uh, when he shot a couple before any regular season game started but then that completely evaporated as the season actually began however now we've seen it more in scrimmages when, when he warms up the three-point shot is part of that warm-up that we see simmons doing he says that he's feeling more com- uh, confident and comfortable with it so who knows maybe we're going to see more of that he doesn't need to hit a lot of them. He literally just needs to be willing to take them so that the floor will be spaced. And it means that when he's out on the perimeter, the uh, opposition doesn't have to play, uh 5-on-4 anymore. They actually have to guard him. So that will be a nice thing for the Sixers, absolutely. Embiid is looking in shape, which is a huge problem for other teams because Embiid has the potential to be the best guy in this league when he really wants it. The issue that Embiid has had throughout the last couple of seasons, uh, not just injury, uh, but also the fact that a lot of the time it just doesn't seem like he wants it that badly. I mean, Embiid, he says this all the time, this is usually how it goes. He has a really terrible game, then on... Um, then uh charles barkley and Shaq give him a real hard time on tnt then Embiid comes back and he says in an interview that now he's really ready to step things up and take it seriously he does that for about three games then he starts sulking again so it's going to be interesting to see whether Embiid can lock in with ben simmons at the power forward position now Makes more sense for them. Ben Simmons can slash. Embiid can still dominate the paint like he does, but with Shake Milton out on the perimeter, they should have more space to actually do something now. So that would be nice to see. Uh, So essentially, the Sixers have now got better spacing. They're a huge defensive threat. And I would say, without a doubt, they are the best matchup for the Bucks, who are expected to come out of the East right now by. The majority of people they could be a real defensive nightmare for Giannis because you can put Embiid on him you can put Simmons on him there are a lot of options so the Sixers big improvements I would say watch out for them moving on now to the Pacers here in the five spot who I think are honestly a really fun team to watch and I watched a lot of them actually through the season uh, Malcolm Brogdon DeMontis Sabonis and Miles Turner were all really great young guys a lot of potential who actually seem to fit together really nicely. This Pacers team have a lot of guts. They are not really afraid of anyone. They play their game, um, and they, they kind of don't get shaken by too much. I think that they had a really good season, probably outperformed expectations, especially given the fact that their biggest star, Victor Oladipo, was out injured essentially until the season uh, went on its break. We saw him a little bit, He didn't look that great, still coming back off of his injury, the confidence definitely wasn't there that it needed to be, and now we're in a really weird limbo position with Victor Oladipo, because we don't know exactly what's going on with him. You know, we thought that he was going to be coming back for this bubble run, Um, the team said that he was healthy, but then he said, well actually, maybe you don't know my body that well, I know my body, and I don't know if I am ready, but then... All of a sudden now he thinks that he might actually be playing. So he's available to play for them. It's whether he actually will. Could be a huge game changer for them. Because if you add, you know, Brogdon, Sabonis, and Tana, you add Oladipo to that, that is the making of a really great starting five and one that could definitely be a threat for other teams in the East. I think that, you know, they're not ready to go on an Eastern Conference Finals run by any means, but they could be a really fun... Uh, match up for a team like the Heat in in the first round, and who knows what they could do if Oladipo was back and playing at a high level. That's really the biggest thing that Indiana Pacer fans need to be looking for is, is Oladipo going to be playing? Because that could really be the make or break of whether they're getting out of the first round or not. Moving on, number four, the Heat. One of those teams who have probably ended up in a seed that is actually better than they are, and that's not to say that they haven't been playing really well, because they have. I really like the Heat. I think that... They have the the core in place to have a deep playoff run, despite the fact that really they have one star in Jimmy Butler, and Jimmy Butler didn't even shoot the ball particularly well this season, but he's been a great leader. He's been a great culture piece for them. And also, we know he's going to turn it up in the playoffs. This is Jimmy Butler that we're talking about. And this man is going to take the important shots of the, uh, of the game. He's going to do them with confidence. And he's, I imagine, going to do essentially what he did with the Sixers last year when he was the only one who was really trying to do anything to stop Kawhi and the Raptors. So I think that Jimmy Butler could really turn things up in this postseason and could make things really interesting for a lot of teams because a lot of people, I think, aren't expecting that much from the Heat. But they're really exciting. You've got young talent like Bam Adebayo, who I believe is going to win the Most Improved Player of the Season Award because he's been just phenomenal and he matches up with Butler really nicely. You've got Duncan Robinson, who you could argue right now is one of the best three-point shooters in the NBA, which is, as a Michigan fan, not something I was expecting to be saying two years ago when he left the program. You have Kendrick Nunn, who was obviously a really important rookie for this team. He believes he should win Rookie of the Year. He's absolutely wrong on that front, but he was really good. Uh, Tyler Harrow, also a really nice up-and-comer. He can come off the bench, be a real firework uh, guy for them. He can shoot the three-ball really well. He's confident as hell, and I don't think that he's going to back down from anything when he's out there, so I think that... This team really has some great potential. They're a little better. They look a little better than they actually are, but who knows what they could do. Uh, one final thing to say on the Heat is that Igadala absolutely scammed this team. Um, I don't know what they were expecting, but they signed him to a really pricey contract, uh, a two-year contract at that. He had this whole media run telling people when he was technically on the Grizzlies, you know, that his body has never been better and he's ready to go to a contender. And in the limited minutes that he's played for the Heat, he has been pretty awful on both ends of the floor. So uh, congrats to Iguodala for securing the bag despite the fact that he does not look like he's really going to be doing anything for them. Moving on to our real contenders now in the East, the Celtics. So two big questions that the Celtics have. Can Jason Tatum return and play at the level he was at when the season paused? After he was named an All-Star, Jason Tatum went on to average 30 points a game, looked phenomenal, was taking the craziest shots that you've seen, and was making them. He had a newfound confidence that we definitely hadn't seen from him before, um, and looked like he had the potential to be a real superstar in the league, which... I think will continue no matter what happens uh, for the rest of this season. But if Tatum could come in playing at that high level, there's really no limitations to what this Celtics team could do. Other than the fact that we've got to ask the question as well of what the hell is happening with Kemba Walker's knee. Kemba Walker had some knee issues coming off of the All Star game uh, when he played like 20 minutes in in the last part of the of the All Star game uh, on. Team Giannis, um, so that'll be interesting, because he took like four months off, obviously, when we had this hiatus, um, and is still having knee uh, knee issues when in practice, so who knows what's going to happen with Campbell Walker, he tweeted out um, the other day that he was feeling better about his knee, um, and hopefully he will be playing, it's likely that the Celtics will play him very limited minutes in these eight seeding games that are going on, The Celtics can hang around at the three spot pretty comfortably. Um, So really, a lot of their season is going to hinge on the fact whether Kemba Walker can stay healthy or not, especially because this is the guy that they've got wrapped up for numerous years, gave him a big old contract. Uh, So not a guy that you want to be having injuries right now. Definitely, though, they still have the potential for a championship team, even like right now, if Kemba Walker can be healthy. Tatum, Brown, Smart, Walker, and are uh, arguably the best five-man lineup in the league that I can think of. Um, obviously, there's no clear-cut center there, but you know, with the positionless basketball a lot of NBA teams are playing right now, that's probably the lineup we're going to see when the Celtics are trying to close out games. Obviously, this is pretty dependent on whether Haywood can come back and be as good as we saw him at certain parts of this season. Obviously, a lot of his issues come from confidence, coming back from his injuries, but really, an, a really, really nice core. They've got other players who, you know, could step up and be be good uh, other pieces for them. You have Grant Williams. You have Taco Falk, Is why not? Daniel Tice, obviously, is their starting center, and he's really a very competent player. And as Cantor, you have uh, Romeo Langford. I don't believe I mentioned him already. Carson Edwards. So a, a lot of interesting players on that team. And, you know, if they make it to the Eastern Conference Final, the only question that I have is who's guarding Giannis. That, that's my biggest question for the Celtics, other than the two I previously mentioned. If they make it to the, fi- uh, the Eastern Conference Finals, that's their biggest question. The Raptors, the defending champions of the NBA, the Toronto Raptors, who have had an unbelievably impressive season, especially given the injuries that they suffered throughout. Essentially, every member of their starting five was out for you know, somewhat extended periods of time due to injury. Uh, a question that I have is whether Pascal Siakam will have had a big jump um, in this little off season as he has in every other off season we've seen in previous years. Uh, he came into the season looking almost like an MVP kind of kind of guy at the beginning of the 2019-2020 season, uh, fell off a little bit or didn't fall off by any means, had some injuries, um, just wasn't playing at the exact level that we saw him when he came in, but you know he's had plenty of time to rest, so he should be looking great. Uh, Van Fleet likely will have uh, improved also, and this team has championship DNA. They have Lowry, Gasol, Ibaka. They've got some nice young upstarts in Terrence Davis, Norman Powell, and OG Ananobi. This Raptors team are tough, and they have the best coach in the entire league. So. Really, the sky's the limit for them. I think a lot of people count them out in the fact that they don't have a clear-cut superstar. They don't have a top 5 or even top 10 player in the league right now on the team. However, what they do have is phenomenal chemistry, great defense, an incredible coach, and they have players who fit together so nicely with just the a winning mentality this team doesn't lose even when they went for extended stretches without Ibaka without Gasol when Lowry was out when Siakam was out they still won a hell of a lot of games so this Raptors team are serious business then lastly we have the Bucks who are obviously the undisputed favorites to come out of the east Giannis will likely be looking to prove everybody who doubts him wrong Obviously, Giannis, I believe, is the MVP and the defensive player of the year for this regular season. But a lot of people have questions about his uh, postseason performance. Uh, obviously, he got pretty locked up when playing against the Raptors last year by Kawhi. And the question now is whether another team can do that. Obviously, as I mentioned before, the the likely team that has the potential to do that is the 76ers. Uh, however, who knows? Maybe this will be the year that Giannis completely breaks out and just becomes an unstoppable force in the East. Uh, Chris Middleton and Eric Bledsoe are going to need to step up in order to help him. Middleton had a really nice season, as did Bledsoe, but they cannot afford to fall off in in any capacity in the playoffs because Giannis needs all of the help that he can get. Uh, The Lopez brothers will be really important to them, especially in a matchup against the Sixers, because, you know, Embiid, Simmons... Giannis can only do so much we're gonna need some other defense and Brooke Lopez in particular is really blossomed over the last few seasons into a really nice defensive player which is definitely not something that people would have been expecting uh given you know the run that he had with the Nets that's it for the East my favorites come out of the East the Bucks okay let's move on Western Conference time Again, six teams have clinched playoff spots in the West, but we're going to include the Mavericks here because they're eight games up on the eight seed, and also Colin it's Tuluka as Porzingis. So we're going to talk about them. So at seven, we've got the Mavericks who are 40 and 27. At six, we have the Rockets who are 40 and 24. At five, the Thunder also 40 and 24. Four, the Jazz 41 and 23. At three, the Nuggets at 43 and 22. At 2, the Clippers at 44 and 20, and the number one spot in the West is obviously the Lakers, who are 49 and 14. There are 6 other teams in Orlando uh, in the Western Conference, that being the Suns in the 13th spot, 26 and 39. Number 12, the Spurs, 27 and 36. Number 11, the Kings, 28 and 36. Number 10, the Pelicans, also 28 and 36. Number 9, the Blazers, 29 and 37. And number 8, the Grizzlies, 32 and 33. From bottom to top, here we go, Suns. So according to ESPN's power index, they have less than a 0.1% chance of making the 8 seed. To be honest with you, I completely forget the Suns are even in Orlando. The only fun thing I have to say about them is it could be nice to watch Booker and Aiton together. Other than that, we do not care about the Suns. Moving on, the Spurs, it's sad that we're likely not going to be seeing them in the playoffs. Well, it's sad for Greg Popovich, not that sad for us because they're not that much fun to watch anymore. Uh, They have a 5% chance of making the 8 seed according to the power index. Uh, They've made 22 playoff appearances uh, straight. That's their streak, which is tied for the longest streak in NBA history but that's likely going to come to an end. They obviously have DeRozan and Aldridge, but, you know, kind of a system that hasn't kept up with the times at this point. Those guys aren't shooting threes in the way that they need to be doing. They've got some interesting young players in Lonnie Walker, DeJounte Murray, but other than that, not a lot to say about the Spurs. The Kings, hey, we're getting somewhere a little bit more fun now. Definitely a fun young core to watch in Heald, Fox, and Bogdan, but they only have a 5.5% chance of making the playoffs. This this is a young team who have been pretty fun to watch throughout the season. Uh, they also had a lot of injury troubles, uh, the most prominent of which right now is that Marvin Bagley is out for the rest of the season with an ankle injury, which is a huge blow to their front court um, and likely one that they're not really going to be able to compensate for. Also, they have the word Sacktown on their jerseys, so we do not respect them here at Don't Burst My Bubble. Um, and... That's all I have to say about the Kings. I don't think that they're really going to be doing anything too significant. The Pelicans. Okay, we've officially arrived at interesting, ladies and gentlemen. Let's dive into it. Zion is back in the bubble after leaving for a family emergency, so obviously that's great for them. It's looking likely that he will be playing um, in the first game back, which is happening tomorrow, the Pelicans versus the Jazz. He cleared quarantine. He's good to go. It's up to him whether he wants to play or not. This team was so much uh, so much fun to watch when Zion was available, and they are absolutely who the NBA wants to make the eight seed. You are kidding yourself if the NBA and Adam Silver want anything other than watching LeBron go against Zion in in a seven-game series uh, in the first round of the Western Conference playoffs. That's what everyone wants to see. Zion, Ingram, and Ball could be a ridiculous trio. They've got great potential. Uh, Lonzo Ball is completely unlocked as a player with Zion on the floor. He has great uh, IQ for the game. He's got great floor vision, and Zion just completely takes that to another level. Obviously, Brandon Ingram was an all-star this year. If he can return to that kind of form while also having Zion on the floor, this could be a killer offense in the NBA. They have a really easy schedule in comparison to the rest of the teams in the West going for that eighth spot. And they currently, according to ESPN's Power Index, have an 18% chance of making the eight seed. Um, the ideal scenario really is that they they get to ninth, and we get a a, a Jar Zion play-in tournament where uh, whichever team wins that will take the eight seed and carry on. The Blazers. This is my sleeper team. Not just to make the eight seed, but also to knock off the one seed. Who knows? Who who could see it? I could see it. Who knows? Dame Lillard, MVP caliber player when he's when he's hot. I mean, this this team has been dragged to this point this season because of him. And you know what's huge? Nurkic and Collins are back from injury. That has been the main thing that has derailed the Blazers this entire season, is that they've had no front court whatsoever. Now Dame Lillard and CJ McCollum are reunited with Nurkic, who really has been looking great in these scrimmages. Um dame is a stud cj alongside him makes for an absolutely deadly backcourt one of the best in the entire nba dame has the potential to just go on a crazy hot streak and score 40 points per game for a couple weeks straight he's done it before i would not be surprised if we see him do it again they have a nine percent chance of making the eight seed and i like those odds moving on the grizzlies Ja Morant is the undisputed rookie of the year he could potentially lead the Grizzlies to a positive win season in his first year, which is just ridiculously impressive. This team's a really fun mixture of young talent with some older veteran leadership. Brandon Clark is great, and of course, so is Jaron Jackson Jr. Valanciunas is also one to watch. I really like this Grizzlies team. I think they're so fun. I think that Ja is. A, a transcendent talent and he's going to be a really special player to watch in the NBA. A lot of people compare him to Westbrook and I fully agree. I hope he spends more time than Westbrook working on his jump shot and I hope that he makes better, better shot decisions. Uh, but other than that, you know, Russell Westbrook is a former MVP, uh, a fantastic player. One of the point, uh, one of the best point guards the league has seen. Um, so I think that that's a pretty great comparison This team is so tough, and they're going to go guns blazing to keep that 8 seed, and ideally they don't even want to let that play-in tournament happen. They have a 62.5% chance of making the 8 seed. Now, let's get into people who we really care about, contenders. All of these teams have an argument to be made for how they're going to be contending. So, the Mavericks, one of the most entertaining teams in the West, but wow, there's a lot of them. Luca has been an MVP caliber player in his second season, which is crazy. No one expected him to make this jump. He had a great rookie season, but he's now essentially averaging a 30-point triple-double. His right-hand man, Chris Epps Porzingis, rounded into form really nicely as the season progressed. He's hopefully ready to roll from the get-go. Hopefully won't uh, need too many games to get back into form. But wow, wouldn't it be incredible to watch a... Just on fire, Porzingis and Luka Doncic tear through the West. The issue that the Mavs have right now is they have no clear-defined center option, with Dwight Powell being out injured and Willie Cauley-Stein, both of them not playing in the bubble. They have fan-favorite Boban that they can go with uh, for their center, but they're likely going to give a lot of those minutes to Porzingis at the center. Statistically, they have the best offense of any NBA team ever, which is pretty absurd which is pretty absurd given that we saw a team of KD, Steph, and Clay together a year ago. This Mavs team right now is the best offensive team that the NBA has ever seen, statistically. I know people would argue with me if I just said full stop, but statistically they are. They have great rotation players, but no clear-defined third scoring option, which is kind of the Mavs issue. Tim Hardaway Jr. was that for the majority of this season, and he was phenomenal. He had a great year, so did Seth Curry. Dorian Finney-Smith is great, DeLon Wright can play really well, and then obviously you have the spark plug that is J.J. Barea off the bench. He came into the scrimmage that I was watching the Mavs play in last night, completely turned the game around, and they ended up beating the Sixers, so that was a lot of fun. Um, one of these two uh, players of Tim Hardaway Jr. and Seth Curry are going to need to step up in order for the Mavs to make a deep playoff r- uh, run. Uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. is going to be need to a- uh, need to average as close to 20 points per game as he possibly can. And obviously, their biggest issue is defense, because who on that Mavs team that I just listed off to you do you think is a competent defensive player? Maxi Kleber can do it, but th- there's not many other options. Okay, the Rockets. James Harden and Russell Westbrook are both in the, butdle, uh, in the bubble. Harden looks in great shape, and his shooting is looking really clean. Eric Gordon tweaked his ankle in a scrimmage last night. Uh, The x-ray came back negative, which is good news, but this team is one significant injury away from being in a lot of trouble. They really don't have the depth that you need for a deep playoff run. This ultra-small-ball lineup will either work incredibly or teams are going to figure it out, and there's no real backup plan if that happens. But I have a weird feeling that this is going to be the postseason where Harden just says, screw anyone who has ever doubted me, and he averages like 38, (laughs) 7, and 5. I can see it happening. The Rockets... I think, have the potential to make the Western Conference Finals, or who knows, maybe even the NBA Finals. We have the Thunder, the heat of the West, ladies and gentlemen, the overachievers, but it's well-deserved. Chris Paul belongs on some MVP ballots for sure for what he's done this season. They are the most clutch team in the NBA this season, and Chris Paul has been the most clutch player this season. They're a really fun uh, team to watch. The three-point guard lineup that they have with Chris Paul, Dennis Schroeder, and Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Um, gives just a lot of issues to teams that don't really know what to do with it. And I think it's so fun. Um, I don't know if this team fully knows its identity, but I hope they're having fun. I I don't think anyone expected them to be here. So, hey, good for them, right? Uh, Moving on, the Jazz locker room issues, maybe. I don't know. Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert reportedly having uh, definitely some tension there due to how Gobert handled the coronavirus pandemic the the real face of coronavirus in all of american sports not a good look for him uh but donovan mitchell has been passing the ball to him a lot he's been getting a lot of assists with gobert in these scrimmages so i think that they're trying to mend things for sure um people thought that this jazz team would be better but they haven't been as bad as everyone seems to say at least in terms of their record part of that issue was conley needs to do something like anything at all to be worth uh, what they're paying him um that that was a real issue for them uh, just didn't really work they played a lot better was when conley was injured and donovan mitchell was running the point uh speaking of which mitchell likely will have made some huge improvements um i would think in this time off because he's a young player he's got superstar potential i really like him okay top three teams in the west let's go nice and quick we have the nuggets who I really like. I think that they are so much fun to watch, especially if you've been watching these scrimmages. You know that the Jokic-Bol-Bol connection has been outstanding. Who would have thought the Bol-Bol would have come in after not being drafted in the first round like he was projected, ending up 44th in the draft, injured all season with that foot injury, and now he's coming in, and who knows, maybe this kid's going to average 18 points per game immediately. God knows how many rebounds, and God knows how many blocks, because it has been fun. Jokic is moving nicely. He's had a couple of turnover issues, but those are going to get uh, worked out, no problem. Uh, Jamal Murray has added on some muscle. He's looking really strong. Um, I think that the Nuggets uh, could surprise people. I know a lot of the, uh, a lot of people rule them out for uh, contenders in the postseason. They're really a regular season team, but I don't know. I think that this Nuggets team has some serious potential. Number two, the Clippers. Kawhi Leonard, Paul George have had. Four months to recover. They are looking in phenomenal shape, but they are going to get screwed over because Lou Williams is going to go out and get some wings from a strip club. I'm I'm being facetious to an extent there, but the Clippers have had some real issues in terms of players that we don't quite know whether they're going to be available entirely. Patrick Beverly was, you know, it was uncertain whether he could play. Montrezl Harrell, now Lou Williams is being quarantined for 10 days. So... What's happening, people? What's happening with the Clippers? You guys can't be affording to fall apart right now. You've worked too hard, and you've rested your stars too well to mess things up now by having the rest of you blow things, like, for, the, for everyone. Uh, that being said, I think Reggie Jackson has been super fun to watch on the Clippers. Uh, was previously on the Pistons, and then the Clippers essentially acquired him for nothing at all uh, in terms of the trade. Um, so I think that Reggie Jackson is definitely one to watch. Should be getting more minutes. Um, and I think that he could really flourish in that system. I think that if everyone behaves themselves and everyone uh, plays the way that they should be on the Clippers and, and everyone sort of locks into the team mentality of, hey, let's go win a championship, I don't think that there's anything stopping them other than the Lakers. Come on, we've got to talk about them. There's not that much to say because they have been covered more than any team Uh, But let's break it down quickly. Obviously, LeBron, MVP caliber season, if it weren't for Giannis putting up historical numbers in pretty much every category. Uh, LeBron would win the MVP, but he shouldn't, and he doesn't deserve it. I know that he's trying to really push that media narrative, but he doesn't deserve it at all. Um, Because he has alongside him Anthony Davis, who arguably could be the defensive player of the year, also an MVP caliber candidate, also a top five player in the league. The biggest issue for the Lakers right now, and there aren't that many of them because they are a really solid team in almost every area, is really just depth at the guard position. They don't have that much spacing. Uh, Avery Bradley announced that he wasn't going to be playing in the bubble, which leaves spots open for Contavius Caldwell-Pope, or my pick for who should be getting that starting lineup spot is Alex Caruso. A lot of people think that I'll be joking there. A lot of people don't take Alex Caruso seriously. I highly recommend you watch the video that the Ringer NBA just put up on uh, YouTube. It's the Kevin O'Connor restart video on Alex Caruso and why he's a great defensive player and why he does everything that the Lakers need him to do in a really efficient capacity. Um, I think that the Lakers absolutely could go to the Western Conference Finals. They could go to the NBA Finals, and they could win the whole thing. Who really knows, given this bubble that we're in, but I don't need to say that much about the Lakers. They have LeBron. They have Anthony Davis. They have Dwight Howard playing really well. They have JaVale McGee. They have a monstrous front court. They have unreal defensive potential. LeBron is about to go to the next gear. He's about to do what we've seen him do in every other playoffs for the last eight years. I mean, other than last year, you know, but we won't talk about last year. The Lakers have the potential to win it all. That is every single team that is in the NBA bubble right now. That is everything that you need to know. I have another podcast episode coming out today where I will be talking to Hunter Davidson from Wolverine Sports TV. That should be interesting. We're going to be talking about MVP candidates. We're going to be talking about um, the Pistons, actually, just for a bit of fun. He's from uh, the Michigan area, so obviously a Pistons fan. Uh, We're going to be talking about teams to watch in the bubble in, in a more expansive capacity than this. But I hope that you've enjoyed this. I hope that this answered your questions. You can follow this show on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter. You can follow us on Instagram. Links are in the description. I'm Josh Ascroft, and this has been Don't Bust My Bubble. Thank you so much for listening.